Admiral? Good afternoon, everybody. You'll often find White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby at a podium fielding questions at the Daily White House briefing. But on today's podcast, he'll join us to speak more in depth about the $95 billion military aid package that's stalled in Congress. The Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, says he's in no rush to allow a vote. The Republican-led House will not be jammed or forced into passing a foreign aid bill that was opposed by most Republican senators and does nothing to secure our own border. But what will be the consequences on the battlefield and in the halls of diplomacy for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan if it doesn't go through? I'm your host, Jonah Green. And just one note, we recorded our conversation before news broke on the death of Alexei Navalny, Vladimir Putin's most high-profile critic. Admiral Kirby, thank you so much for talking with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. So first, I think it'd be helpful to hear what's in this package at the moment. What does it do and what doesn't it do? It's about $95 billion, Plus billion is earmarked or dedicated for uh, for Ukraine, and then there's money in there for uh, supporting Israel. There's money in there for humanitarian assistance, more than ten billion. There's money in there for the Indo-Pacific, and there's two and a half billion dollars in there for U.S. Central Command. For those who don't know, U.S. Central Command is our combatant command, our unified command responsible for the Middle East. And as anybody who's looked at the headlines know, there's an awful lot going on in the Middle East right now that affects U.S. troops, U.S. ships, and U.S. facilities. The militia groups in Iraq and Syria keep keep uh, firing rockets and drones at, at our facilities in both countries. And of course, the Houthis continue to attack commercial shipping uh, in the Red Sea. And so we've got a coalition of some 20 odd nations uh, that are working, including the United States Navy, to help defend that shipping. And of course, we're also responding uh, aggressively to the attacks on our troops and facilities uh, in Iraq and Syria. And so this money earmarked to set aside for uh, Central Command will help Central Command replenish the stock of inventory of munitions and weapons that we need to continue to do that. So there's a lot in there, you know, directly for our own people. And that includes the Indo-Pacific funding as we wrestle with a a rash of challenges and and threats uh, across the Indo-Pacific, all the way from tensions in the uh, Taiwan Strait to, of course, the Korean Peninsula and and, and beyond. So um, there's a lot in here that is able to and will help with addressing our urgent national security needs. Now, what's not in there is funding for border security. Um, As you know, the original supplemental we we submitted in October did have about six billion dollars in it for uh, for border security and for some reforms that need to be that we believe need, need to be done. The president submitted an immigration reform bill. Uh, to the Congress on his first day in office. And it's, it's, it's sat there untended to since then. He believes that we need to do a, a better job at reforming the immigration system that is clearly broken. And he also believes that we need to bolster border security. And so uh, what was in the original Senate negotiated deal that the, that the, that the House uh, and frankly now, unfortunately, the Senate refused to move forward with, with had had additional funds in there to give us more border patrol agents, to uh, give us more asylum officers, to provide some technological capability down there to help us stem the flow of fentanyl. And that is obviously not in the Senate bill that uh, that has just passed because of the uh, because of uh, the decision by certain Republicans not not to move forward on it. The president still believes 
that additional border security uh, is important. But right now, we have to deal with what's in front of us. And right now, what's in front of us is a Senate-passed bill that does fund all those other urgent national security needs. Um, and as the president said very clearly the other day, if it as passed in the Senate, if it gets to his desk, he will absolutely sign it. Republicans against this bill say we should be spending money on the border and not in foreign countries. And, you know, there are Americans who who, who agree and say we shouldn't be involved in other people's fights. What's your response to them? Well, I would note that actually in, on a bar, bipartisan basis in the House, most representatives want to support Ukraine. Most representatives want to support Israel, and that includes the leadership, House Armed Services, House Foreign Affairs, House Intelligence. And of course, the speaker himself has said he wants to support Ukraine and continues to support Israel. And we believe, the president believes, that the majority of members of the House of Representatives, and Frank, most of the American people understand that these are not some foreign wars that have no effect on us. They absolutely have an effect on our own national security. Uh, what happens in Europe could very well buttress right up against the, the eastern flank of NATO, should we just walk away and let Putin take Ukraine. And if you think the cost of supporting Ukraine is high now, think about how incrementally, exponentially higher that cost is going to be, both in blood and in treasure, to the American people. If he starts attacking a NATO country because, as President Biden said, we take our Article 5 commitment seriously and we will defend every inch of NATO territory. The, the Ukrainians are not asking for U.S. boots on the ground. They're only asking for our continued support and help. And with that support and help over the last two years, they have done some amazing things. They've clawed back more than 50 percent of the territory that Russia took in those opening months of the of the war. Um, and they are brave and courageous and they're fighting still. Um, and we've got to continue to support them. The other thing I'd, I'd uh, say is that, that these Ukrainian soldiers and their commanders are making some pretty dang difficult decisions right now as the Russians are not slowing down. And in a little town called Avdivka, uh, there in the eastern part of the country, the Russians are, are closing in on uh, Ukrainian defensive lines and trying to take that town. And Ukrainian soldiers there in Avdivka are running out of ammunition. And their commanders are making difficult decisions every day uh, about how much they can expend and how, how, how many lines they can continue to hold. The time is now. In fact, I'd go so far as to say the time has passed now. Um, you know, we, we submitted the supplemental request back in October. We've got to continue to support them. If this aid doesn't come through, how long can Ukraine hold out against Russia? I mean, what's what's the when did the soldiers on the ground begin to feel the the effects or has that they're, already they're happened? Feel, they're feeling it right now, mm -hmm. sir. They're feeling it right now as you and I are speaking. Um, I can't give you a date certain on the calendar because mm -hmm. every unit has a different level of resourcing th than others. I mean, as, as is the case across any battlefront. Uh, and because they are rationing their ammunition, they are trying to buy for more time. But it's difficult to put a date certain on it. The, 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 the urgency is now. I mean, the time is now. They, they are uh, they are desperately in need uh, across that battlefront of, of more support. And you know what's what's tragic about this, in addition to just that, is that the Russians know that. Um, and they're deliberately targeting defense industrial base infrastructure in Ukraine, their factories, their manufacturing capability to produce organically their own weapons and ammunition. So because the Russians you know, want to count on the fact that the Americans are not going to come through, the West is not going to come through. And if they can er eradicate Ukraine's defense industrial base, then they can, you know, quicken uh, an end to this war to their in their favor. Uh, so again, uh, the, the, the sense of urgency we all should have right now is is high. 
We, we, we see the tensions play out on podiums across the Capitol, but what is the White House doing behind the scenes to push us along to get this passed? There is a lot of engagement between cabinet officials here at the National Security Council with uh, our National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, and of course, the president uh, at all levels to uh, to convey to Congress the, the, the desperate need to answer their questions, to lay out the requirements to 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 justify and defend the supplemental bill that we submitted in October. And of course, to, to, uh, to make clear that the Senate bill just passed this week, should it get to the president's desk to make it clear that he, that he would sign it. So there's been an awful lot of conversations with Capitol Hill. And I would go so far as to say, there's also been a lot of conversations with our allies and partners just this week. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin held yet another Ukraine contact group meeting. Uh, he did it virtually with some 50 odd nations to continue to talk about uh, Ukraine's needs and how we can all collectively uh, work together to, to meet them. Unfortunately, this is the second now in a row contact group meeting that Secretary Austin was not able to convey to those 50 some odd nations around the world that the United States was, uh, was still in the lead in terms of contributions. If Speaker Johnson makes good on his threat not to allow a vote on the security package, what's the plan B? We have to have appropriated funds to support Ukraine. Uh, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals or speculate about what uh, other options there might be. We said there's no magic pot of money back in October. We need this supplemental funding. And the bill would also aid in Israel's fight. Uh, and that comes as the international community is warning against a ground invasion in Rafa. Now, the president is under a lot of pressure from the left, who is unhappy about how this war is being waged. What What is the U.S. doing to prevent Palestinian civilian casualties? As you heard the president say just the other day, there's there's been there's been too many civilian casualties and the right number is zero. And we continue to uh, work closely with our Israeli counterparts and to provide our own perspectives and lessons learned about urban warfare to to see what they can do to be more precise, more careful, more deliberate, um, and to, to, to reduce harm to civilians and to civilian infrastructure. And they have been receptive to many of those messages, but it, to the degree that you know, we're 100% satisfied? Of course not. Um, and so we're just going to continue to uh, to make that case. The president had an opportunity to uh, speak with the Prime Minister Netanyahu yet again today, um, and again stress the importance of uh, uh, of not moving forward in Rafa uh, unless or until there's a credible plan to account for the now almost 1.5 million people that are seeking refuge down there. Can I ask? What, what do you make of the suggestion by uh, a former security advisor, Keith Kellogg, who said that if Trump wins, NATO could become a, a tiered alliance and that, you know, the members, um, they get only as much protection as they pay? I uh, obviously cannot and won't speak to comments made on the campaign trail, but let me just make clear where President Biden is about NATO. He believes NATO is a cornerstone of our national security, not just on the European continent, but around the world, because NATO is more relevant in more places and across more missions than than ever before. And now it's a bigger alliance, uh, certainly in part to President Biden's strong leadership and the example that the United States has shown about our commitment to our NATO allies and to Article 5. And every ally, every ally matters. 
every ally brings to the alliance unique capabilities, in some cases, really unique capabilities that no other nation can have, has or, uh, or can demonstrate at sea or in the air or on the ground. Every ally has uh, a vote in how the alliance moves forward. And that's the way NATO was founded. That's the way it works. And we cherish that alliance and we cherish the, the, founda- the, found, the, the founding principles uh, of the alliance. And again, uh, under President Biden's leadership, it's gotten bigger, it's gotten more relevant. And uh, American leadership has, uh, has made a big difference. And the president looks forward to continuing to demonstrate that leadership. Admiral Kirby, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Reuters World News is produced by Gail Issa, Tara Oaks, David Spencer, Christopher Wall, Jasper, and me, Jonah Green. Our regular host is Kim Vanell. Carmel Crimmins is our senior producer. Leela DeKretzer is our executive producer. Engineering, sound design, and music composition by Josh Summer. To be sure you know what's going on in your world, listen in for 10 minutes each weekday. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or download the Reuters app.